lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre, my good friends that I pay to be my friends. Gentlemen, hope you had a great weekend. Good to see you. Welcome back. 888-900-3393 is the number here. 888-900-3393 is the number to the Steve Dace Show. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Steve Dace. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. At Steve Dace on Parlor is where you can find us. More on that, by the way, in just a second. And then finally, our brand new YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can go. Subscribe to that page, get free samples of this program that you can sample yourself and then share with others at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. I mentioned our new uh, account over on Parlor. For the first time ever, we are going to conduct a Monday town hall with Parlor as an ask me anything. Now, don't worry. Uh, if you are on our Facebook page, you will still get your monthly Ask Me Anything later this month. But I, I just figured it was time to start engaging the parlor audience more, given the eventuality that we're all going to end up there uh, in the not-too-distant future. So if you want to know what life is like on the social media platform that still values the First Amendment, we're going to find out next hour. Our Monday Town Hall is an Ask Me Anything exclusively for parlor listeners. I know you went through those, Todd. Did we get a good amount of response to that, by the way? A good amount and a diversity of thought, yeah. All right, good stuff. So it wasn't just all single-celled organism, monolithic troglodyte spewage? It was not. No, it wasn't just all a Reddit forum? If there was any common theme, there's certainly a vein of existence that resembles you on Friday to some extent, but on a diversity of topics. Right. So there's despair With, across the board. All right, so the overtime, Steve, on Friday, yes. right? Do you know how much positive, and I don't know what this means, <laughs> do you know how much positive reinforcement I got from that? Oh, I believe it. I mean, I got a ton of email, and if you haven't watched this yet, blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go to subscribe to Blaze TV for a discount and watch Friday's overtime, where I gave, in a Joe Namath jersey, uh, essentially my State of the Union uh, of where things are at right now. As for today's overtime, I just realized we don't have a topic yet, so Todd, that'll be uh, your okay. first assignment here this week, uh, but I, I wasn't sure what kind of reaction I was going to get, it has been overwhelmingly positive. Well, that's encouraging because, you know, if existential angst is what they want, you have it to give. Yes, yes. They they called the existential angst store and a new shipment of dace (laughs) has just come in. Yes. They never run out of existential angst at the jerk store uh, in my aisle. They do run out of toilet paper and hand sanitizer and cleaning wipes, but never the existential angst. All right, so blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go to watch today's overtime and especially to watch Friday. So next hour, for the first time ever, our new uh, social media friend over at Parlor will take center stage. At the bottom of this hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader is going to join us. He is putting on something this weekend that I think is a first in America in at least four months. I believe this is the first political conference in person. Maybe the first conference in person of any kind. Like, uh, you know, medical, electronics, computer, of any kind. I mean, we're not having a lot of those right now, right? Right. This might be the very first in-person conference of any kind, certainly political. Uh, That's been held since uh, the lockdowns began almost four months ago today. 
pretty much. That is coming up on Friday, and we're going to talk about the logistics of pulling something like that off, and then who they agreed to risk their own lives by coming to Iowa to speak in person uh, to a socially distanced crowd at this conference called the Family Leadership Summit. That's coming up here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here's me with a rundown of what happened while we were away. I want to talk to you about something here this morning. What is transpiring in this country? The, the acceleration of the lying. It's at a breakneck pace now. I mean, pretty much everything I have researched and discussed and debated over the last four months has just been recycled and rehashed with even more apocalypto in the last few days. And I think the reason why is because we're in the end game of this now. No, no, not, not the pandemic or the virus, the politics of it. That over these next few weeks, I get into more of this on Friday in our overtime, but over the next few weeks, the events that transpire are going to set the stage for what this country is going to look like between now and the election. Will it reopen or will it be locked down? Which could then, depending on the outcome of the election, set the stage for what this country may look like for the foreseeable future. Two main areas, especially the schools. That's the linchpin to any reopening. All of the panic porn has amassed, almost like the schools are the valley of coronavirus Megiddo. Every force of panic has amassed here in this valley to prevent the kids from returning to school because that's the major linchpin of any sense of normalcy and reopening. And then to a lesser degree, sports, particularly football, which is the king sport of them all. Because if you get rid of sports for the rest of the year and you don't send the, school, the kids back to school, you have, regardless of whatever policies are on the books, you have de facto locked down America until the election. And here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to have a conversation about lies, damned lies, and coronavirus. Because you are being scammed. In fact, we are being lied to, I think, right now more than at any point in American history. How are we being scammed? Well, let me count the ways. In fact, what I'm about to show you are just things that have popped into my feed or in the news within the last week or less. So this is not like from the beginning. This is just in the last few days. Let's begin with scam number one. Saw plenty of this last week, and I'm going to single out Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith. The Ohio State, or, or the United States is one of the worst in the world, he said, at handling coronavirus. And he's not alone in saying this. But here are the facts. The U.S. is currently testing more per day than any nation on earth, about 600,000 people a day. We lead the world in total recoveries from coronavirus by more than 200,000 we have fewer deaths per million population than Italy, Spain, France, and the UK. But we do have more cases per 1 million population than any other industrialized nation on earth. In other words, we're testing more, so we're finding more. But what we're finding, or what we're finding, we are handling just fine. Does that sound to you like we're handling this the worst on earth? 
Let's get to the next scam that's come up in just the last few days. Oh, this guy was a favorite, even by some in conservative media. Former FDA bigwig Scott Gottlieb, who has made a career out of pimping the panic porn, putting out there that the U.S. approach on COVID is a tale of two cities. Some states like Connecticut, New York, Massachusetts, they sought to crush the virus. Some like Florida, Texas, Arizona sought the Swedish model and tried to manage the spread of the less vulnerable. Now, that's not even true. Florida, Texas, and Arizona all did far more lockdown than Sweden ever did. That, that characterization, by the way, is not even true. It's just not even true. That's a lie. That's a lie by itself. But let's continue with the rest of Gottlieb's gobsmack. Without a more uniform U.S. approach, it'll be hard for either strategy to work. Well, let's give you some facts, shall we? Let's take a look at this. Deaths per million population among the crushed the virus states and the managed the spread states. Look at the difference. Good night between New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Texas, Florida, and Arizona. The reverse of what Scott Gottlieb says is true. The reverse. But let me, let me give you some more. It is now mid-July. Here's how New York crushed the virus. By getting crushed by it. Essentially, crediting New York with crushing coronavirus is like crediting your teenage son for keeping his abstinence pledge by cutting his penis off. It is mid-July and still one out of every four deaths in America is from New York in mid-July. One out of every four coronavirus deaths is still from New York. That's how high the carnage was in that state compared to anywhere else. Furthermore, the combined deaths in Texas, Florida, and Arizona from coronavirus are about one-third of the total deaths out of New York. Despite triple the population. I don't know what Scott Gottlieb got his, P, got his PhD in. But it should have been BS. Next scam. Maybe you saw this over the weekend. Texas Governor Greg Abbott warns of possible lockdown. If Texans don't wear face masks. So over the weekend... I went and found this study from the Center for Infectious Disease Research at the University of Minnesota, chaired by Dr. Michael Osterholm, who has served in the last five presidential administrations. They took a long look at the question of whether or not mask mandates public po- as a public policy, whether or not they work against the spread of coronavirus. And yes, I know they did this back in April. Here's why it's probably more accurate. Because they did this before everything was politicized. Right now, I have no clue what's true. I could find, I could find a study that says literally anything on masks right now. That, that you should cut your face off, never wear a mask, mask your body. Everything is so politicized right now. I don't know what data is true right now from which institution and which isn't. So this comes from April. Before we went into full-born panic porn and let's have a civil war over coronavirus mode, here were the findings of this study published over at the University of Minnesota. Zero evidence 
that cloth and surgical masks help to stop the public spread of coronavirus, meaning as a public policy, not necessarily with individuals, but as a mask mandate, a public policy, zero evidence that this worked starting in Asia. It didn't work. It doesn't even recommend they are used in close quarters for medical personnel at all. Says only the N95, that's the respirator mask, recommended for medical personnel. That has about 95% efficacy in stopping the spread of coronavirus. It goes on to say there is no evidence yet that N95 works for massive public control and says they're too vital for medical personnel and close corners of virus to waste them just in case, which makes me think that we just haven't studied it because they don't want to risk running out of these respirators in case they do actually work. That's my own personal read on this. And then finally... The conclusion from a study at one of the nation's leading infectious disease centers, before we politicize masks as as either a symbol of virtue or a symbol of defiance, is unless you're wearing a perfectly fitted N95, whatever you're covering your face with, is probably medically worthless to you or anyone else. So, there's that. Let's move on to the next scam. As as Captain America once said, I, I could do this all day. But we're, gonna, we're only going to do a few more, okay? Again, these are all things that have just come up in the last few weeks. The three biggest states have all broken coronavirus death records. Now, this state, or this story, was everywhere. I specifically chose this one from Forbes because if you read it, holy cow, you could, if you are on team lockdown, you're masturbating to this story. I mean, this is just, this is as political porn as it gets. I mean, this isn't, this is just like a, it's, it's, a, it's a money shot. I mean, of your favorite political porn star. It even says, uh, deaths are climbing contrary to what conservatives are claiming. Right. I mean, this thing, it's just like this guy's like the this whoever this guy is. I don't know who he is, but he clearly wants to be the Larry frickin Flint of media panic porn because he lays it on thick in this story. Well, let's let's get to some facts, shall we? Um, Here they are. Sixty five percent of the covid deaths reported by CDC last week. Ah, Finally, because they've been waiting for the death lag to catch up. I told you last week, we're already into the fourth week of when the surge began with new cases. We should already be seeing the, the death lag go up in correlation. We're already in that death lag and we're not seeing it. Well, we got some evidence over the weekend that the death lag is going up. Well, here's, here's one of the reasons why, if not the main reason why. 65% of the deaths of COVID reported by CDC this week occurred more than four weeks ago. They're just backfilling now. And it's what the CDC calls, <coughs> I want to make sure I quote this correctly, provisional deaths. We're just tagging and bagging, baby. That's what that means. You know, like provisional ballots in Florida. We're just going to go till we get the count that we want. We're just tagging and bagging. All right. This one, I might love this one though the most. Okay, because it's, Self-refuting propaganda is always the best. Look at this headline. All right. This is from Business Insider, where I used to write. Sweden's coronavirus death toll is now approaching zero, but experts are warning others not to hail it as a success. (laughs) You can't. The headline. I don't even, I'm not even going to give you anything. That headline just speaks for itself. The headline there just speaks for itself. 
Again, I could do this all day. I'm just going to give you, though, one more. The kind of thing I wished I was shocked by, but sadly, I am not. Now, check out this story. Now, most of you have no idea who Dr. Joseph Fair is because you're not watching leftist propagandist news uh, outlets. But he was all over the NBC family of networks. Here's a clip of him on the Today Show chronicling live for the Today Show his battle against coronavirus. He has been on MSNBC how many times talking about this? There's just one problem. There is absolutely zero evidence that despite his 137 minutes over two hours on MSNBC talking about his battle against coronavirus, there's zero evidence that he actually had it. In fact, he's produced not one, not two, not three, not four, but fiver, five negative coronavirus tests. He didn't even test positive for the antibodies. Now, let me make a couple of things here clear. This doesn't mean this isn't a dangerous virus. It is. It also doesn't mean we shouldn't take any precautions. Because we should. What it does mean, though, is that most attempts at reasonable discussion between balancing the need to return to as much normalcy as possible and the real data on the virus in our media and culture is poisoned systemically, politically, and therefore should be treated with much skepticism from the outset. The truth is out there. There just aren't that many people interested right now in finding it. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I'm a big Monty Python fan. And then, of course, there's also uh, the group that has done uh, Spinal Tap, Best in Show, Christopher Gaston. Those things are hilariously funny, but ultimately they are all, and I understand this better than ever now, when I was first in college and and developing the sense of humor that found these things hilarious. But you don't understand that really this level of farce is a cautionary tale. And the laughter needs to trigger in you a sense of truth and justice because really it's particularly the spinal tap people and john cleese now to this very day and the man has got what in well into he's his he's made a career out of bs yes. and parody he even recognizes it when he oh, sees yes. it yes he's still standing on that wall but these are all cautionary tales if if, if real life truly turns into this level of farce there's no laugh track there just isn't. It, at best, you have gallows humor, but you're still on the damn gallows. We are dying. If the people of reason and science is going to go down as one of the largest God-killing scams in all of human history, because these people don't care. There is no, and this is, I was just having this conversation. As Garth Brooks once said, yeah. man, shameless. Oh yeah. It's just shamelessly bad. With my brother, I'm talking this weekend and that's the most frustrating thing. There, There is no ability to show college educated, that just like went to college, had no idea why they were there. Genuinely smart people, but there is no moving them off their wall. You can't show them any amount of data. There's no amount of philosophy. There's no amount of truth. They will all 
spit it out and take we were talking the cheetos versus steak debate they're the dogs returning to their own vomit and they're saying yum 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 aaron oh man alive i the the amount of of a bull fecal matter that we've been exposed to just over the last 72 hours is breathtaking and that's really saying something especially after having witnessed the last four months I don't know. I, I posted on Twitter this morning. I've typed, how can anybody be this dumb into Google so many times over the last four months that my keys are starting to fall off the keyboard? When you're up against, as Todd put it at the end of an overtime segment a couple of weeks ago, this impenetrable ignorance, this determination to be afraid. And I, there, are so, there, there are many different camps as far as the panic porn peddlers go and those who are just sucked into believing this, I want to believe ignorance um, is the biggest camp there. But I, I, I just don't know what to say anymore. I, I just don't. What is there to say when people do not have any interest, do not have any interest whatsoever in finding the truth? Um, one of our uh, editors here, social media editors here, uh, Courtney Kirchhoff posted this morning. It's really hard to fight for freedom when people don't want to be free. I'm sure I didn't quote that verbatim, but that's the, that's the, that's the frustration. I think that all of us listening and those of you who've been with us since, you know, round zero in this coronavirus, uh, panic, that's, I think the frustration that we're feeling because at the end of the day, it's not about the science anymore. I know. And it hasn't been for like three, three, at least three months out of this entire thing. It's not, the, not about the science. It's not about the data. With This is all about two different Americas fighting for control. Or at least one side is fighting for truth and at least what form of American way that we want to have or, or that we remember having. And the other side is just fighting for power grab and control. And the forces, the, the useful idiots on the other side, they don't want freedom. At least that's the only conclusion that I can come to. Can you guys come to anything else? I, I No, I can't. And what do you do with that? You can't share a country with that. I mean, what can you do against such reckless dumb? What, what, what can you do against that? Let me... A term that has become popular the last few years, and the media has often attributed it to Donald Trump. Uh, you've heard this term, and it, it, it's older than the last few years. It's just, you know, like butthurt was a big term a few years ago. Uh, it got replaced by gaslighted. Okay? And, and gaslighted is essentially when someone claims to you that what you actually witnessed and know to be true, particularly that this person claiming they didn't do it actually did they then turn around and tell you no you didn't actually see the things that you thought you saw you never read the things that you thought you read you never heard the things that you thought you heard right that that's that's what it means in our political context context is to be gaslighted all right so let me give you an example of how this is working right now in this scamdemic you are being fed a narrative that this is way out of control Way out of control, spiraling out of control, nothing we can do, shut everything down. We have not had, in a nation of 331 million people, 
We have not had more than a thousand daily deaths from coronavirus since June the 3rd. Fact. June the 3rd was the last time we had more than a thousand daily deaths from coronavirus. June 3rd. In a country of 331 million, where the last year we have finalized stats, 2017, that, that, that year, on average, 8,000 people died in America every day of something. So in a nation where, on average, 8,000 people die every day, we have a nation of 331 million people. We have not had more than 1,000 daily deaths of coronavirus since June the 3rd. Does that sound to you like, we can't do this, it's out of control? Furthermore, on March 25th, Anthony Fauci went on CNN. And that's going to be like the new, hey, a priest, rabbi, and imam walk in a bar. That's, that's going to be the new opening line of like every joke. Anthony Fauci went on CNN that one time. Anthony Fauci went on CNN on March the 25th with Jake Tapper. And said, based on the best modeling the White House had. Now keep in mind, we're at March 25th. We're still in the 15 days to flatten the curve, right? Yeah, yeah yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're still in the 15 days to flatten the curve, which is now on day 122 or whatever. We're still in 15 days to flatten the curve. He goes on CNN on March 25th and tells Jake Tapper that even if this effort is successful, up to 200,000 Americans are, are going to die this year of COVID-19. And that was the moderate, dire, as he described it to Jake Tapper on CNN, that was the moderate, dire model. In other words, now at our current death rate, we won't hit 200,000 deaths. But in other words, we're pretty much within the range 100,000 to 200,000 in total deaths this year of coronavirus that Anthony Fauci gave on CNN on March 25th, and that's even if we flatten the curve. And people are acting now like that was never said. It never happened. In the interest of full disclosure... I remember coming on the air here the Monday after thinking that number sounded crazy. We'd never reach that. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. I, I, I remember said, that. I remember I remember we kind of scoffed at that number at the time on this show. Oh, I know I did. Well, again, I, I know we're tagging and bagging. I know we're counting everybody that dies with COVID as dying from it. Okay. But even fine. Going with... The, even going with their own narrative, we're actually in line with what they warned us about four months ago. And now, all of a sudden, now that the racial protests and everything else that they wanted to have happen are all done and out of the way, we're going to act like that never happened. We're going to act like that never occurred. We're going to act like that we're not within the parameters of what they warned us about the entire time. We're going to act like none of that is true. It never happened. And oh, did you guys know that instead, I didn't include this in the rundown I created for you, Aaron. The IHME model is back, baby. It's back, baby. And I saw loads of headlines. Grim update from the IHME model. U.S. to hit 200,000 coronavirus deaths this year. Stories all dated in the last few days. 
They at the White House told us we were going to hit that potentially four months ago when we, we, when we were in the initial phase of this. This is not a new number. It's not a new projection. So much of what you're being told is such a lie. The amount of lefty blue check marks congratulating Andrew Cuomo for sacrificing the elderly of New York on their behalf so they can get back to normal now. Because, hell, I mean, they're practically sitting herd immunity in New York now. They killed so many people there. If we're ever lied to more than this, I don't want to live. I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to live to see it. This is, I'm starting to feel like this is like a friggin' left behind book, guys. I mean, this is, this is cosmic. And they all just jump on Twitter in their giant self-pleasuring circle, getting each other off on, on passing these scams back and forth. Like, none of these things were ever said before. None of these clips exist. None of these headlines have been documented. None of these studies have ever been done. And none of this data is out there. It's demonic is what it is. Yep. Later today, we're 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 going to post that rundown on all of our social media. Make sure you share it with everybody that you know when you see it. More in a moment. One more quick follow-up on our conversation before we bring in our guest here today. Uh, Variety just is reporting now. Theaters in Hong Kong, movie theaters closing down again in China's largest uh, cinematic market because a third coronavirus wave is underway there. Um, I want to, uh, June 25th, just a few weeks ago, uh, a group, a letter to the editor of Hong Kong experts in the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine uh, urged the world to adopt mask mandates, claiming that that's why they were largely exempted from the coronavirus problems that the rest of China had as they go and begin their third coronavirus wave. Uh, Here's a headline from uh, the BBC as we continue on with the gaslighting. This is from May 12th, uh, talking about how um, masks have uh, helped Hong Kong uh, to recover from the coronavirus. Um. Here is a story in the Wall Street Journal from April 8th. Hong Kong, here's the headline, to curb the coronavirus. Hong Kong tells the world, masks work. You need to wear a mask. Uh, Yes, I'm going to continue. Um, uh, Here is uh, a story from Vox on May 18th. Hong Kong controlled the coronavirus with the help of face masks. Should I continue? You damn skippy, I should. Uh, Here is uh, another story uh, from... uh, uh, the uh, uh, from the Guardian, Hong Kong face mask ban uh, largely upheld against coronavirus. Um, CNN, April twenty third, face mask and coronavirus. May, Asia may have been right. Talking about Hong Kong. Um, time March twelfth already getting us ready 
for what was to come, scolding us for not wearing masks and pointing out that already all over Asia, they are. Keep all of those things in mind. I'm not anti-mask. I'm not. I've said from I've said since March, I'd wear a mask if you told me it was going to help me and get my country back. I, I'm, it's a rather trite inconvenience to me. If it works, but it doesn't work. And it's a psych, it, it's just psychological. It's virtue signaling. And it's why Hong Kong, after spending much of this year lecturing the world to wear masks, is now closing its movie theaters and going into another lockdown for the third time. Oh, I know. The, art, the pushback will be, well, Steve, they, they would have gone into a third lockdown even sooner if they had not worn masks, right? That's the, that, that's, it, it's, it, what a great way to argue. If you don't do what I said and it fails, then it's because you didn't do what I said. If you do do what I said and it's successful, it's because you did what I said, even though there's no way to prove what you said is viable or provable. It's the unfalsifiability yes, fallacy. yes. You'd win every argument if you could create a scenario where it's heads I win and tails you lose. You'd win every argument like that. Let's bring in our guest here today, Bob Vanderplatz. How you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good until that opening. <laughs> a little bit like weather forecasting as well, huh? So you've got an event coming on. Big event. A big event. But I think it's it's bigger than maybe even you or our audience thinks. Because I think... It could very well be the first, I guess we'll call it convention or conference, in-person conference of any kind I know of that has been held in this country in months, certainly of a political and cultural nature. I mean, everything's been virtual since March, right? Is this the first conference of any kind, the Family Leadership Summit on Friday, is it the first conference of any kind in America in months? You know, I'd be hard pressed to come up with another one other than, say, the Trump rally in Tulsa, which was a Trump rally. Yeah, Uh, this is an all-day conference, nine in the morning to four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, Uh, it's going to be held indoors. Uh, We're following all the state guidelines in regards to social distancing. Uh, The venue, uh, which is a privately held venue, is following all the guidelines as well. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo will be coming. Governor Kim Reynolds will be attending. United States Senator Joni Ernst will be attending, as well as many others. And because of the social distancing guidelines, a venue that was supposed to hold 2,400, you know, it's going to have about 700 in it. So it's about a third of the size, but with social distancing. Uh, We're going to be wise. We're not going to be panicked. Uh, We're going to tell people do what makes them feel comfortable. If that means wear masks, make you feel comfortable, wear masks. It's not going to be mandated. Uh, we'll have hand sanitizers there. Uh, and and we're, we're not going to be having breaks. So there'll be not no large congregation at breaks. It's going to be be the adult in the room. If you got to go to the bathroom, if you need to get up and get just get stretch out, whatever, go do it. But be on your own to do it. And then come on back and enjoy the rest of the summit. So we're really looking forward to it, Steve. And we thought we would be experiencing, at least now, a lot of spillage. Of those who have went online, they purchased a ticket or their sponsor Thought of some better sort. better of it and then backed out. Yeah. Uh, not at all. Uh, matter of fact, we're saying we got more people that want to get in than can. So we're also offering it virtual, a virtual summit. You can find that those details on thefamilyleader.com, and you can get your, your virtual access to it. 
But I think it's going to be a great day. Uh, we're hoping and praying for God's hand of favor and covering and blessing on it. But uh, we're looking forward to hosting it and having it. So you guys made the decision or the determination that you could get together, gather, return to as much normalcy because of how important what you want to accomplish is, get to as much normalcy as as possible, while at the same time balancing the realities of the situation we're in and making the necessary accommodations. Am I understanding that correctly? Well, well you are. You, wait, hold on, hold, hold on. Go ahead. You, you, you can do that. What kind of monster are you, Bob <laughs> Vanderplatz? The, the thing is, we're abiding by all of the guidelines. And, and quite frankly, someone asked me, he said, well, you know, how can you do this? I said, listen, the White House has given us cover in regards to Pompeo showing up. The governor of the state of Iowa has given us cover by showing up. The private venue. Then the reason is because we're all abiding by the guidelines that are set. But we're allowing people to be adults to make their own decision if they want to gather or not. And what we're showing is they want to gather. They want to show up. So I have I'm I'm been having a uh, now going on day two, although this is actually part two. This is part two of a Twitter conversation I have been having with NFL Hall of Famer Kurt Warner about this very conversation. Okay. Um, whether because I just I love the guy. Okay. Last time he was here in Iowa was last year. I actually went downtown to the venue where your event's going to be held. Mm. And you know how many times a year do I go downtown, Bob? Yeah, you don't do that. I don't. I don't. I don't roll down there. All right, just too far of a drive. Okay. All right. <laughs> I went downtown to go have dinner with Kurt Warner. I did do that. Okay. So that's about what it takes to get me to go downtown. If I if I get to go have dinner with Kurt Warner, I will go. That's about what it takes for me or my kids got to be doing something or somebody I, I like or care about is doing something. Otherwise, I don't leave like a three square mile radius of my home in the suburbs. All right. So I went downtown last year to have dinner with Kurt Warner. I am a Kurt Warner fan and admirer, which is why when I see him losing his damn mind on my Twitter feed, I, the dude can't abide it. Like, I wouldn't just re- respond to the latest CNN slap or anything like that. That's a lost cause, right? Yeah. But but this is coming from a guy I like and admire and respect. So I mean, I had to I had to enter into the fray, and it began with him claiming if we went back to school, we could see ten to fourteen thousand school children die. Folks, we haven't seen that total amount of death of children worldwide. I don't think from coronavirus. All right. Do you know here in the United States something like? All, only like nine of our 130,000 deaths, 137,000 deaths are people under the age of 55. Did you even know that? No, you don't know that. Because unless unless you're like watching me and a few other shows 24 hours a day, you're not getting any of the actual data. You're getting something else, right? And so him and Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner and I have been going back and forth on this for the last you know few hours on Twitter since last night. And I finally got him to a place where we could at least consider... Is it possible that in the freest, most prosperous nation in the history of humanity, we might be able to come up with a way that we could take reasonable precautions against a deadly virus while still trying to conduct as much business as we can since the virus is only lethal to about 0.5% of the people that will ever come into contact with it? Do you, do you, do you think that's possible, Bob? Well, obviously I do. 
And, and I think I think it's good. Matter of fact, we've said all along here at the family leader, we will be wise, we'll be prudent, but we will not be panicked. Meaning we're going to live life the way we want to live life yet. But we're going to be wise and prudent about how we go. And we're going to protect vulnerable populations. Uh, Steve, you know that our third son is significantly disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darla and I have not been with him human contact-wise since the middle of March. Now, we, we talk to him by, by Skype. We go over to his place, and we're able to stay, you know, kind of a social di- – well, the last thing we'd want is for him to get coronavirus. Right. But yet our other boys uh, and I have been on golf courses. We've, you know, we've, we've done a lot of things together. And so their part of it is where I think Governor Reynolds has excelled in her leadership at the state of Iowa. She has treated Iowans like adults. You have some personal responsibility here. Be wise. Be cautious. Don't be foolish. Don't think this thing is a hoax because it may not be a hoax for you. Uh, but at the same time, make your adult decisions and go about living. How worried are you about pulling this thing off on Friday? Well, there's no doubt. We we always remember we just exited a team meeting where the prayer was uh, for covering. If people would enter healthy, they would exit healthy. But as far as worried about pulling it off, I think it's going to be a great event. I think people are going to attend, are going to love that they were there. And again, I just hope and pray that nobody comes in with coronavirus that spreads it. Uh, to say I'm not concerned at all would be, you know, a, uh, an overstatement. Uh, but to say that I'm very concerned, I mean, if I was very, very concerned about pulling it off, I wouldn't be, pull- I wouldn't be doing it. I'd be pulling the plug. Which, which speakers did you agree to risk their lives, to put their fragile lives into your hands by coming and addressing this conference in person on Friday? Well, what's going it's interesting because they all want to come. Uh, Dal Tackett, author of the True Project, and now the engagement sad, pathetic project. regard disregard for their own lives, indeed, yeah. a death wish. Yeah. So it's the Death Wish Conference. Is what, yeah, what it is. yeah I, I don't think it is at all. Okay. Who else? Well, we got uh, Dale Tackett. We have Joel Rosenberg. Dale Tackett's the author of the Truth Project. From yeah. The fam- uh, from and Focus he's actually uh, or he's also uh, launching the Engagement Project the next morning, Saturday morning, where there's going to be another gathering of people in a local church being trained on how to engage your neighbor to actually put. Uh, love thy neighbor to, as yourself uh, to practice. Uh, so he's going to be there. Rick Santorum is going to be there. Joe Rosenberg is going to be there. Mike Lindell, Jack Brewer, obviously Mike Pompeo, Governor Reynolds, Senator Ernst, uh, different members of the TFL team. I may be forgetting one or two, and if I am, I deeply apologize. Uh, but it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a great conference. So it's probably one of the best lineups we have had. Can people around the country watch virtually if they want to? They definitely can, and that's where I tell them go to thefamilyleader.com. There'll be a virtual option to attend the summit. Uh, we'd love to have you attend the summit as well, but by your your t- television screen or computer screen. I hate to ask a question like this, but it is the era in which we live, so I'm going to. Are you concerned that? the zealousness of, of, of the other side of some of the issues that you guys take a stand on may have an interest in putting somebody in your audience who is COVID-19 or would claim to be and then could get all the headlines. I mean, we just I just ran through with my audience. Dr. Joseph Fair was uh, all over the NBC family of networks for months, months. 
including the Today Show. They, they went to live in his hospital bed in his battle against coronavirus. He appeared as a, as, a, as, a fir, as a subject matter expert for over 137 minutes on MSNBC. The guy tested negative five times for coronavirus, Bob, mm. and, and, and tested negative for antibodies. Whole damn thing was a scam. Mm. The whole thing was. The whole thing was a lie. The whole thing was. So in this era in which we live, are you concerned that you may see people who are your political enemies well, there's attempt no to plant someone in your audience yeah. So there, accordingly? Yeah, there's a couple of concerns. One is who's coming because, mm-hmm. you know, on our email list is not just our friends, but there's some people that just don't like us here that are on sure. our email list. Yeah. Uh, we are calling through everybody who has a ticket as well as those who are sponsored and trying to find out as much as we can about them. And quite frankly, we know most of the 700 people that are showing up as well as the 130 that are coming to a private dinner after the leadership. So we know all of them. But the other thing we're concerned about is, you know, do you get sued for hosting something like this? Now, in Iowa, they pass legislation, hold harmless mm-hmm. uh, entities like ours that, that choose together, saying you're, you're going to be an adult. Uh, but, but you know, so we're, we're doing all the precautions we can uh, without saying we're going to be huddled in our basement until somebody tells us we can come out for daylight. Uh, we're going to keep moving on. One of the reasons why I asked you some of these questions, because there's going to be people all over the country listening to this wondering, hey, can I apply some of this if I want to reopen my church, if we want to reopen our school, if we want to hold our own event, um, et cetera? Because I think there's a a lot of people in America that want to be the second, third, fourth, and fifth person or group of persons to do this maybe not the eager one eager to be the first you know what i'm trying to say well there's no doubt they would love to say look at they held the leadership summit they just couldn't get over themselves so they hosted the summit and look at there's a coronavirus outbreak and you have a lot of fans that would like to do the other thing they'd like to see this thing be successful so they can say then why can't we do the same thing?" without question matter of fact darla and i were uh in one of the grocery stores over the weekend i said you know what i got more concerned about going to the grocery store than i do about going to our leadership summit uh, I belong to a fitness center. I go most days to the fitness center. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, there's more of a concern here than I think at the leadership summit. So we're doing all the precautions we can. Again, by having Pompeo come, by having the governor come, by having a private venue host it, you know, we're all in this together saying we think it should be game on. So it's going to be game on. Well, here's hoping that it sets an example for the country this weekend, brother, because I think it's the event itself. I know you're that this you guys do this every summer and the focus is always on the principles communicated, but I think this year the 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 pulling off of the event itself is more important than the principles communicated because it will be good to see uh the country given a model of how we can do this. That, that there's no reason as adults we cannot walk and chew gum at the exact same time. I would tend to agree, and I hope and pray it goes really well. And I think the messages that are going to be communicated are going to be outstanding and something that everybody will want to listen to. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thefamilyleader.com is where you can go if you want to watch it virtually. We're going to come back. Our very first ever parlor, Ask Me Anything, an hour or two. Next. with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you 
at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Don't forget, youtube.com slash stevedace, our brand new YouTube channel. Go there, subscribe, and get videos for free that you can like and then share with others. You can also follow us for now on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also leave this show a five-star review. Thank you to the thousands of you that have done this for us already. But if you get the podcast version of this program and you like it, please, wherever you podcast from, Podbay, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. However you get this podcast accessed each day, leave us a five-star review there because that helps the show to grow as well. And that's one way you can show your appreciation for us doing this for you each and every day. I mentioned at Steve Day Show on Twitter for now. Because you can read the signs of the times there. Uh, soon we're all going to be on Twitter's liberty-loving competitor, Parler. And for the very first time as our, for our Monday Town Hall, I thought, just to you know, give our friends over at Parler an added extra incentive to join the conversation with us over there. At Steve Dace, at Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, they get to do their very own Parler exclusive Ask me anything for our Monday town hall. Todd has selected a series of questions, fed them to Aaron. I've not seen a single one of these, but Todd says we got a lot of good uh, options here. So we're going to go through as many of these as we possibly can. Brought to our, brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. Whether it is back, knees, neck, shoulder pain, whatever you're struggling with. The underlying cause is likely inflammation. You got to defeat that inflammation or it can cause permanent damage. And that's where Omega XL comes in, backed by 35 years of clinical research. Omega XL attacks the inflammation that's causing your pain. It's part of my daily regimen. I'm a big fan of it. Works extremely well for me. I usually use it post-workout as part of my recovery. Omega XL neutralizes the inflammation that's causing that painful stiff joints and muscles as well. And with Omega XL right now, if you're suffering with aches, pains, and stiffness, you can try it by getting a buy one, get one free. Your second bottle is free today. If you order Omega XL now, you get a second bottle for free today. If you visit Omega XL, just like it sounds, OmegaXL.com slash Steve. That's OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 800-844-4888. Easy to remember. 800-844-4888. Aaron. Really quickly, if I may. Hold on. Turn your mic on. Go ahead. Now, it, sorry, Aaron. I just it, we had 185 responses, I, I believe, and I just since we're new on Parley doing this, never feel bad if we don't get to your question because we're not getting to most of your questions. I narrow this down to like a dozen to 15, and we never get through the dozen to 15. Uh, so it's it's that's just the nature of the beast. Thank you for all your questions and your interest because I, I expect that on Facebook, but on a new venue like Parlor to have That's, that level of volume, that was impressive. Yeah. What, what I am seeing is, is with their analytics is Facebook, as Twitter says right now, I've got about 71,000 followers. And on an average tweet, I might get five to 6,000 people to see it. Unless it picks up steam and goes viral from there, right? On Parler right now, I think I've got 6,500 followers. And I pretty much get 
three to sixty three thousand to sixty five hundred followers that see everything that I put up there on what do they call them parlays? Mm-hmm. Every one of the parlays I put up there on Parlor. I saw I didn't click click on any of the questions, so I would be surprised. But I did see that uh, the the parlay I put out there inviting questions has has been viewed over twenty thousand times. I did see that. So. Um, you know, Twitter may be a larger platform, but in terms of the percentage of engagement right now, you know, uh, Parler's algorithm seems to be far friendlier. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right, Aaron, go ahead. All right. We'll start with Modern Family Man, who says, what do the numbers of COVID-19 deaths and or cases need to be for it in order to no longer be considered an epidemic? Well, according to our CDC's line, I believe it's got to be under 7%. 7.3. Is it 7.3? Okay. So 7.2 is the number then. All right. It's got to be 7.2% of the total amount of deaths or less for it to no longer be officially an epidemic. But what's the real answer, Steve? But the real answer <laughs> yep. is uh, not until Joe Biden wins, baby. Exactly. That's the real answer. Not until Joe Biden wins. All right. Next, uh, this is from Zalozenek85, who says, "How do you?" I, I mean, I'd be be funny. How, where'd that name came from? Uh, it's just like an amalgamation of my pets and kids. Right, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> How do you galvanize a people into action when their biggest fear is losing their own comforts? You cannot. Love this question. It's, it's everything. A, it, it, it it is. Um, you cannot. It's my gated community effect. Yes, it's the problem. You can't. And. I think now I I do with I do think we are approaching a fascinating juncture though in in this uh, in, in 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 this moment we're having as a people. Here's why. Because we we already were more sedentary than we ever were before, right? We were already indoors more than we ever were before. We were already online more than we ever were before. Um, I mean, you're fa- you you and your family like movies, right? Oh yeah. How often though do you just wait for them to show up on a stream before you instead of going to the theater? Were you already doing that more and more already as it is? We do that quite yeah. a bit, and you're yes. not you're not you're not alone. You're not alone with that. So up until this point, unless you unless it was your small business. Even when the schools were canceled, a lot of them went on spring break and then didn't come back, right? Mm-hmm. But you only had about two and a half months left, not you know, from about the middle of March until the end of May is when most schools are done in America. Correct. So the idea of you were already entering the time of the year as a parent, if your kids are in a conventional school setting, you were already entering the time of year that you're contemplating how you're to keep your kids occupied all summer long anyway. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah, that's me- true. Me- meaning that when the lockdowns began, they were perfectly correlated in timing to a time of year that a lot of Americans are not really mobile. We're, we're coming out of winter. Um, you're not doing spring break, really, unless you're younger. Um, there's not a lot of great things to do outdoors anyway. We hadn't hit the summer movie season yet with the major summer movie releases. We were kind of entering uh, what's considered in a lot by even a lot of sports fans, kind of a sports wasteland after the NCAA tournament. You know, Major League Baseball, there's a lot of excitement for opening day, but 
you know, go online and look at any highlights of any of any sports center doing Major League Baseball updates in April. There's 50 people in most of the time, unless it's one of those rare 80 degree days on a Saturday. Those weekday games in a lot of places draw flies. They they and they have for years this time of that time of year. So a lot of the major things that people their comforts are predicated on weren't really threatened except for the NCAA tournament but I think that all happened so fast that even for me as a guy that has taken vacation every year including in school all right you know since the since the eighth grade there's this is the first time since the eighth grade I did not take time off in in accordance with the NCAA tournament it's my favorite sporting event of the year but even I, I mean did I spend a lot of time like moping about it? We were like kind of, it was, it all happened so fast. It was just like we were blindsided by it, right? Okay. And we, we had too much to do. I right. mean, we just kind of got on with it. Right. We are now, though, entering con the Mutara Nebula. All right. We are now getting into the time of year now where you're starting to threaten and jack with people's lives and the comforts associated with them in ways that have not been before unless you th- just think it's you know the billy bob on the couch i uh, and you've been talking about about iowa state's athletic director jamie fitzgerald just today jamie pollard, pollard. Ex- excuse me jamie pollard there's another guy in politics here uh the, but he put out a, a dollars and cents approach to what you're talking what does it mean to this university uh, and the towns that these universities are in, if mm-hmm. this goes away, right, it, it'll become a ghost. It, it'll level them economically, yes. maybe irrecoverable. So unless you own a small business, or you're one of the forty million that lost their jobs, but a lot of those people got unemployment checks that were more than they were going to make at their job, right? Yes. So really, the truth of the matter is that aside from the boredom and the mental anguish. The unless you were one of those business owners that lost your business and it ain't coming back, we have we have we have not really had an alignment between lockdown quarantine and my creature comforts until now. They're running out of movies. They're running out of TV shows. I mean, have you gone online to Amazon and Netflix and seen what your new releases have looked like for the last couple of weeks? It's a friggin' ghost town. There's nothing on. Nothing. Now the kids may not go back for the entire year to school. And the truth of the matter is, it's sad, but it's true. Too many Americans, if not most, view the schools as a subsidized daycare program which is why they've been allowed to get away with indoctrinating our children all these years. Because if the parents were really involved, they were going to school board meetings or looking at the curriculum, their kids were coming home with at night, this stuff wouldn't have lasted 10 minutes, let alone 30 years. Now you're going to take my subsidized daycare away? What am I going to do? My job tells me I have to go back. There's not enough daycares available. What do we do? What am I going to do with my kids? I can't lose my job. I have to go back. Now you're going to take the school away for the whole year? For the whole year? You're going to take my college football away for the whole season? That's the second most popular sport in America next to pro football. 
And I don't think there is a sport in America that has more, shall we say, um, zealous. Let's go with that. <laughs> there may not be a sport in America that has a more zealous fan following than that one. Families organize their their family gatherings around it. There's a lot of families all over America. The only time they really see each other in person. Gathering together for college football games, tailgating before home games. Now you're going to take all that away? See, we're now entering the convergence now. And I... I anticipated we'd be further, much further along in lockdown than we are right now. I'm sorry, in reopening than we are right now. And that we would never get to this point. But now, what's going to be fascinating is we are here now. So, up until this point, to answer your question there, the comfort factor has worked against us. No question about it. I can just work from home, and if I can't work from home, my unemployment check is more than what I was making at work. Uh, They send me stimulus checks, we're going to do another stimulus check. I can Netflix and chill. A lot of these movies that were going to come out, they just put them out on Vudu and Netflix and Amazon. And yeah, it's 20 bucks to get them, but if we all went to the movies and got popcorn and everything else, it'd be more than that anyway. So it's six and one half. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Now though... We're getting into the time where the supply chain of that home entertainment that has kept us all preoccupied all these months is running on fumes. And it's, I want to take my, I want to go to the beach. I want to get outside. I want to send my kids back to school. Get them out of my hair. Again, I'm not advocating this approach. It's just how I know a lot of parents think, frankly. And what I do believe will be fascinating is what happens when one set of psychoses collides with the other. That is something we have not talked about, right? Because we have largely on this show looked at it as team apocalypse versus team reality. We have largely looked at it as you know, up against a get out the vote effort to keep the country locked down long enough for Joe Biden team dementia to win, right? Yes. We've only looked at it from that vantage point. But I do think, let's discuss this for a couple of seconds. Because I, I do think we have made, we, we should consider that the comfort factor that has worked against us getting the country to rise up against this, now... That Venn diagram is starting to, they're starting to cross spheres now, spheres now. And there's a lot of people that didn't want to say anything because they were perfectly fine getting comforted at home. But now you're going to tell them they're going to take their home comforts away if we go into lockdown for another four months. So the schools don't come back. Football doesn't come back. The movie theaters don't reopen. TV shows don't start reshooting. So you don't get new episodes of your favorite shows in the fall or anything on Netflix. No Stranger Things season four. None of that. All gone. None of it happens. Can the American attention span really sit here? And yeah, there's going to be people that just want their panic. I get that. But there's going to be dueling psychoses there. Whether it's enough, I have no idea. I don't know. It may depend on regionally. I I don't know. But 
dueling psychoses there, I think, become a factor now that maybe guys we haven't talked about before, because I think to some degree, we all thought all along the country would be much further along in reopening than it is right now. What do you guys think? Well, it's you were talking about it last week in a different context, but that what you're saying has a certain component getting him on tax evasion sort of thing. I mean, you, you might not like the level of frivolous nonsense that ultimately pushes people over the edge to actually then do what must be done or the right thing. Uh, and that's going to ultimately, I, I, from, you know, the teachers unions are clearly poised and ready to shut the schools down. So whatever angst and wherever it comes from, Steve, it's got to rise to the level that, and it has to do with schools like most people, yeah, maybe public education stinks, but I kind of like my schools and my teachers. There's a lot of that goes around. You're going to have to look these schools, leadership and these teachers in the eye that you like. And you're going to say, you know what? Quit screwing with my life. It's going to have to rise to that level of angst. And I don't know if I see that, yeah. if I see that yet. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, the, the psychosis here, I mean, what does psychosis actually, actually mean? I mean, how how deep does this actually go? Is this is this a temporary uh, mass ma- mass psychosis event, or is this a true deep seated psycho? I, I don't think we know the answer to that question. I mean, goodness gracious, we we keep saying it as if it is going to end around the election, which I still believe this is all this is all political. It's all politically motivated, of course. I just don't know how deep seated the psychosis is. And so we'll we'll find that find the answer to that question sooner than later, uh, but that that's ultimately going to determine determine well, whether or not people are going to put up with this for much longer. I mean, we talked about how how the the the, the dichotomy of panic porn and give me my Tiger King at the same time, right? Yes. Oh, yes. There ain't going to be all the excitement. I never saw an episode of that tribe, but the excitement of announcing another season ain't going to be a season two of Tiger King if the country doesn't reopen. They can't film it. Ain't going to be a season two. So take every every show that that you may think the, the, the American people are way too fixated and obsessed on. They're all gone. And they ain't coming back after, you know, in November, after, if, if, if and when Biden wins, because they weren't in production this entire time. They won't be back till well into next year. So understand that this isn't just a next few months thing. All the comforts of my pop culture, none of that's coming till well into next year because of the shutdown and backlog of production. It's not just like Biden win. The, we, 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 you know, we start telling you the truth, and then the next day the movies. I mean, they got a backlog of movies they can release in theaters. That's true, but they don't have backlogs of new television episodes to show you. They don't. That stuff's not coming back anytime soon if they don't start rolling cameras here pretty soon. I mean, Marvel just announced over the weekend it's not even going to do the virtual Comic Con this year. Because there's nothing to talk about. There's so much uncertainty about when their when their stuff can begin re like their Falcon and the Winter Soldier show everybody's hyped up about. They're, they got, they filmed and completed six of the twelve episodes, so they're not sure. Do they put out six episodes and then try to film the other six next year? There's so much of this uncertainty. See, I have a hard time believing we can just sit here and say, "Hey, we were all obsessed with Marvel movies for for 13 years, and then they just all go away, and we're all just going to say we're totally okay with it." I don't believe that's how the human mind works. Do you think it's how it works? 
You don't you don't go I, from no. roll tide calling out roll tide evangelicals to taking away their Alabama football and everybody's just like, hey, I, I'm so I'm I'm totally okay with it. I don't think they're gonna be okay with it, but the the million dollar question is who they blame for it and who they hold accountable. Where that, do they direct that, that energy? That's, that's true. Where does the where does the energy if, go? If they all yeah, decide, I could care ultimately Biden, whoever. Tell me uh, whatever lie you want to. I'll take a chance on that. I agree that that's a good point. That how it how it gets outleted and channeled is up for debate. But clearly, we can all can we all stipulate to this? We are now. This has gone on so long now that we are clearly running up against the kinds of stuff that maybe people who there's going to be a group of people who were all in on the panic before when it wasn't their idols that were getting taken away. But now that their idols are being threatened. I can't just plop my kid in school for eight hours a day and get free daycare. Oh. My football fix is gone on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you know right? I yes. can't take my kids to the movies. Nothing's on Netflix. Now that you're running, now that my idols are getting smashed, poop is about to get real for some people that maybe it wasn't for the last few I months. I absolutely agree with that. Okay. So now how that will work itself out, Aaron, who knows? Right. But we can't, on one hand, decry how obsessed people are with pop culture to the point of idolatry, and then when it's all taken away, act like they're just going to act like, well, I'm totally cool with that. And see, that was something that I predicted, actually, I think on the Days Group or yeah. something back you in thought like it was gonna March happen early or April. On. I thought it was yeah. going to happen like that. So did I. I did, too. Uh, yeah. I thought America's just largest. You know what? Here, to... Here's what I was wrong about. I was wrong with just how many Americans are, A, already on the government dole, B, fine with going on it if they're not already, and C, fine with never coming out of their homes just as a general, just as a general life choice, right? So I, I way underestimated that. I think we've learned it's a lot more than we thought. Yeah, we're, it's Wally. We're a lot closer to that than we thought. Yes. What you just said. Yeah. All right. Next question. Uh, This is from Jen Ridgway, who says, uh, what will happen in America if Trump does win? It's been crazy the first time around. A second term will bring us what? So Jen is on parlor. And so I'm going to take for granted that she may be new to our program. Okay. As a general rule, I don't predict what Trump will do. In the future. I, I don't... Because I don't think he knows. I think he just does stuff. I think he just does stuff. I don't think there's any plan. I don't think there's any four-dimensional chess. I think it's all id. It's just constant reactionaryism. So what he will do in a second term, I have no flipping clue. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I think, I think all options are on the table. I think he get, if he won, he could get up the next morning, call scoreboard resign and take a harem down with him to the Mar-a-Lago and live out, live it out, man. I, I, I think, I think it's possible. He might just completely turn, uh, the tools of government against the people that have made his life, tried to make his life as president suck as much as possible for the last four years. I think it's possible that, uh, he could want to set up a successor, and Jared Kushner becomes even more de facto president, and he sells us out on, on the issues he hasn't sold us out on already. And the interview that he gave to Telemundo, of all people, on Friday, saying he's going to do his own DACA, becomes the default. I, I, I don't know, man. I, he, it's, he's so random, I don't know. Now, I think we know what the, the opponents are going to do. Lose their damn minds, okay, over everything. Now, how that will manifest itself... I couldn't even begin to predict because I wouldn't have predicted anything like this ever occurring. We had our first 
church service in our main sanctuary this last Sunday. So we've been back at our church for a couple of months. Um, they've had uh, social distance. We've got enough different rooms in our building that we can social dis- distance people in different rooms. And then we they've had, in the last month or so, they've added a larger outdoor service where there needs to be less social distancing. But we had our first in the main sanctuary service this last Sunday. And it, and, and, it, and it was a sold out number of spots or a certain number of spots. And it looked to me like they sold them out. Like everybody that wanted our, our sanctuary seats, maybe about, I'm going to guess about a thousand. And I think they were willing to put 300 in for the very first week. And I think they had 300 easily. Okay. And our pastor began the message by, I want to take you, take you back to New Year's Eve, 2019. You're looking ahead to 2020 and the promise of the new year. Mm. And you get together with a group of folks out here, out here in the hallway at church and talking about what the new year entails. And one of the guys says, man, I'm going to cancel every, every air flight I have. Another person says, we're not taking any vacations. We cancel them all. Another person says, right, just go run on down the line. I'm, I'm pulling all the kids out of school. And then they're probably not going back. And you would have looked at them like they were nuts, except all this stuff actually occurred. So how, how we know the other, here, here's the problem with the question. We know how the other side will react. Insane, but trying to predict how that insanity will manifest itself is, as Barack Obama once said, that's above my pay grade. Um, and then with Trump, we don't know how he'll react to anything because everything's random. Random. Everything's random. Everything's in, which makes it impossible to predict what the reaction to his reaction will be. So I can't answer your question. I don't know. All right, uh, one more here. This is from RBG12 Miami, who says, Just heard the news that the Redskins will be changing their name. I'm disgusted and depressed. I love football, but politics has polluted this escape from serious events. After Kaepernick, I stopped watching the rest of that season until I caved and started watching in the playoffs. I'm done now. I love my country more. Will you be watching, and can an effective boycott be brought against the NFL? By the way, really quick, the, the Redskins conversation will be part of our overtime. There will it be will multiple be. facets to it. That okay. will be one of them, okay. just so you know. So, I don't know that I can answer this question in the time we have. I'll do my best. The, the Redskins name for me, I, I can understand why on the surface people would think, and you don't think you have to be a communist or nuts, to think that it's uncomfortable as a name. Like we wouldn't call a team the Blackskins, for example, right? I can understand why on the surface you may have resistance to it. But to me, the the group whose image and likeness is being appropriated gets to determine whether it's offensive. I I, I wouldn't presume to know more about what offends a Native American than a Native American would. So this has largely been driven by white woke leftists for the last several years now. Not so much the Native American community. Frankly, if, if I were Native American, I'd want them to keep the name and then sue them for name, image, and likeness. I mean, that's my brand, right? You can't just use our brand. Now, it's, it's more of a general connotation than a specific one, like Illinois fighting a lion eye. That's an actual tribe. Chief Osceola at Florida State. That's an actual tribe, right? Okay. Um, but I, I can understand why people would find it offensive, 
But I think you have to go to the people who are being appropriated to find out if they do. And the vast majority of them have not been offended about it for, I mean, what is it now? A hundred years that this team has existed? So I think that this is, this is what Charles Barkley was talking about over the weekend. When he said, hey, I actually agree with a lot of the politics that the NBA is, is propagating or promulgating. But I think it's a terrible idea to politicize the sport itself. You'll turn it into a circus because you won't actually address any of the core issues facing the black community. Instead, a bunch of rich black guys will make it look, will think that they did their job because they put something stupid on the back of their jersey or we named it the BLM court, right? But meanwhile, the systemic issues of black illiteracy, black lack of fatherhood, black poverty, black jobless never get addressed so we can all get a ratio from, frankly, mostly white people on social media. And then we and then we turn our own fans against us by politicizing our sport. Couldn't I totally agree. I totally agree with that. OK, that's what's driving the entire Redskins persona as to boycotts. If, 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 if the standard is everybody that we that doesn't want to see the same America as us doesn't get any of our money, that's going to be a really difficult standard to uphold. And I think each individual has to determine that. As for me, I'm watching the NFL the minute it comes back. I can watch them and rip them at the same time. Trying to sell your home in any market is challenging, especially in the uncertainty of the market we're currently in. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge of your situation. If you're going into the real estate market, you want to make sure you've got an agent that you can trust who's going all in with you. Where do you find such a person? Because you know, if you go to your local realty websites, wherever you live around the country, um, it, they're not going to literally put on their website, hey, if I can't sell your home in 30 days or less, I'm just going to, you know. I'm going to just start ignoring you and move on to where I can make my money. They're not going to put that on their website. They're not going to put my marketing plan as let's just keep having open houses that like almost no one will go to. I could have put that on a website either. Okay. So where are you able to vet agents in your, your area? How are you, where? You're able to do that at realestateagentsitrust.com. Agents only get listed there if they have been fully vetted with a track record of success and the name kind of says it all, you can trust them. Their trustworthiness has been proven. So if you're looking for the right agent for you, partner yourself with an agent that you'll find at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Dot com. Let's get back to our Ask Me Anything first time ever parlor exclusive. Aaron. M. Hireman is up next to asks, do the progressives hope to lock down the public schools and force home learning in order to enforce a new national curriculum that even homeschoolers will be forced to utilize? No, I, I think that I think that they believe they've already won on that front and that this is all about the election in the fall it's it's all about creating let's go back to the conversation we just had about sports okay see i i think it applies the same dilemma we had which is all right now we agree that the comfort idols americans crave a lot of them 
really aren't that weren't that threatened in March, April, and May as much as they are in July, and then especially when we get into the fall, right? Take America's favorite sport away. You're going to take America's favorite government program away. Okay? <laughs> You're going to take America's favorite TV shows away. A lot of Americans won't know what to do with themselves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And, and we all agreed that there would be blowback to that. And it, it may even occur now or start occurring now. But we weren't sure how it would manifest itself. See, I think it can manifest itself not either or, but and also. Meaning that I think you could see a lot of, I mean, I I, I wonder what Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, who was in the media over the weekend saying, hey, put on your damn mask if you want football back. I wonder what his inbox was like when he got into work this morning. Know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I would imagine a lot of a lot of Bubba's down south found Greg Sankey's email address and let him know, and, and, and found his Twitter account and and his mentions. I thought probably gave him an earful. I would guess, right? Sure. In the moment, I could see where there's a lot of blowback against the forces trying to take all these things away. But then, if they're successful ultimately in taking it away, meaning if your blowback doesn't create more pressure on the system to give you what you want than the shutdown. Like if, if you're the American Academy of, of, of Pediatrics, for example, and last week you were all in putting out a statement, you went to the White House, um, all in on reopening the schools. But then you got worked, worked over by the teachers unions and then amended your statement to say, well, maybe not all the schools should open. Okay. If that's, if that's your level of commitment, you're going to get run over by this crowd. If your level of commitment is, um, I lose my mind if my kids aren't in school and my football team's taken away. Well, there's more of you than there are of them. You can run them. You can run them over then. But we don't really know what your level of commitment is yet. If your level of commitment is, I'm going to fire off a pissed off email. I'm going to sit in my home and pout while they take all these things away from me. Then what you'll likely do is is show up to vote in November and and try to take it out on who you think is most responsible for it. And that's probably going to be Trump. You're going to say, hey, I, you know what, man, they. Oh, they didn't do stuff to us like this until this guy came along. You're going to think like that. Remember what I said during the midterms? That the entire argument here is that everything was great in America. Yeah, we had our disagreements, but we really weren't at each other's throats until Donald Trump came along. He's the, he's the toxin. That's not true, by the way. Trump is the symptom of the fact we were already at each other's throats. He didn't cause anything to occur. He's the result of it. Well, they're trying to do the same thing here. Just a different spin on it. All these things got taken away because Trump mismanaged the virus and now it's not safe and that's why this has to happen. So in November, you take out your frustration that all your TV shows are gone, your kids aren't in school, your favorite sport's gone. You take all that frustration out on the guy who couldn't manage the virus like the rest of the world did and that's why we can't have our sports back. Even though the rest of the world with, a, with, with higher deaths per million than we have are all back playing sports right now. And Hong Kong, that was the model of the world with its mask mandate that saved it from the Chinese coronavirus, just went through a third level, a third, is going through a third stage of lockdown today as we speak, despite its glorious mask usage. But that's the, that's the game. That's the narrative. You have to vote against Trump to get your country back because he mismanaged this and, and that's why he's got to go. We need an adult, right? That's the argument, in essence. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I could see both of those things happening. I, I could see a lot of blowback to stuff getting canceled, but people aren't willing to really follow through with it. And since they're not willing to follow through with it, stuff gets canceled, and then they go vote in November against the guy that they they need something to blame at that point. Right now, right now, parents are pissed at the teacher unions. But if the teacher unions look at it like a sports fan, and you had hopes that your favorite college football team was going to win the national championship, and to do that, most years you got to go undefeated most of the time. And you lose a game early on that you weren't supposed to lose. And for like the first 24 hours or so, man, you're down, you're depressed. Season's over. But there's still like seven or eight more games to play, right? And you want to you, you want to find a rooting interest. So you recalibrate your expectations. We can still win the conference. And who knows what happens if we run the tip? You know what I'm saying, right? Sure. Okay. So right now, people are, are beginning to get pissed that the stuff they actually care about that wasn't around, that wasn't in the way in March, April, and May, is about to be taken away for the rest of the year. They will, I think, push back on, give me my idol back. But then what happens if they're not successful? And the system says, we're taking them away anyway. Then they're going to recalibrate their expectations. And I think they're going to go in and vote in November, and they're going to say, well, you know what? This wouldn't have happened if Trump, uh, uh, if Trump managed the, uh, the virus better, and they're going to blame him. That's how I think this works itself out. All right. Uh, moving on, we're going to go to John M. Beer, who says, recently rewatched Black Hawk Down, and I feel like it holds up pretty well. What are your favorite war movies? I mean, well, first of all, let's define war movies. Okay. For example, all right. Does, is Gone with the Wind a war movie? Obviously, it takes place with the backdrop of a civil war, right? But does it have like a quintessential battle scene? Yeah, I would say no. No, so, okay. So I'm, I'm asking that as an example so we lay some groundwork for what's a war movie. So something that depicts the actions of war in and of itself. Fair? Yes. yes. Okay. So just can't have war as, the, as, as a backdrop. Okay. Um, I'll give you one that's recent. Even, even though I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan, I thought Dunkirk was a disappointment. It was. Uh, 1917 is phenomenal. It's really good. It's breathtaking. One of the best movies I saw last year. Um, I, I would highly, 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 highly recommend it. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was phenomenal. Is is Braveheart a war movie? Yeah. Yes. All right, then that's absolutely on the list. Is the Patriot? Yes. Or war movies. Yes. yes. Okay. Then that's absolutely on my list. I would put American. Is American. Now here's the thing. Well, yeah, American, American Sniper does depict yeah. battle scenes. Yeah. So American Sniper is definitely on the list. Is Darkest Hour a war movie? No. It's a war. Is it? Mm, well. Because it doesn't depict. Yeah, it, it, I think um, it is it, a war yeah. movie, but I. It's I not direct the, battle, though. Yeah, I think yeah. the spirit of the question is more along the okay. fighting. Glory would be on my list. Glory for sure. Glory for sure is on the list. Let me give you a movie in recent years almost nobody saw. And it's so great that me and Paul Begala made a love connection on Twitter one day because we both had seen it and loved it. Okay? Um, oh, is this? Free the, State. Free, free State yeah. of Jones. Yeah, I was about to mention free that. Free State of Jones great is movie. incredible, man. It's an incredible movie. And it's criminal. More people did not see that. 
Okay. Hunt for Red October is a war movie. Is, right? I was gonna, I was, I'm gonna make yep. my way there. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in my memory yeah. banks. I'm going like by decade here, uh, even though I, I know I skipped all the way to the 90s with or 89 with Glory. So we're right around the Hunt for Red October. There is that. Is that considered a war movie? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay, yes. then that's that would be on the list too. Um, I would put the Longest Day if we're gonna go way back classic. I would put the Longest Day on that list uh, for sure. Um, I'd put Hacksaw Ridge. Another more recent vintage sure. film. Yeah. I put that on the list. Uh, what am I forgetting here? Am I forgetting anything way off? I, I, there's, you know, there's all kind. How about, well, is, is Judgment at Nuremberg a war movie? It's about the aftermath of World War II, but is it a war movie? Eh, it doesn't really depict war scenes. So those would be, is Apocalypse Now a war movie? I mean, it's essentially Joseph, it, it, it is Joseph Conrad's novella or short story, Heart of Darkness, just put into a Vietnam War setting. So it's in a Vietnam War setting, but is it a Vietnam War movie? I still don't think it is. Mm, yeah. It Otherwise, lean, it, would be, it would belong in this list, right? Right. Okay. So, but we agree that it is not a Vietnam War movie. We agree on that? So therefore, it does not make the list. Okay. Good stuff in there. Um, trying to think if there's anything... So now I'm, I'm cheating, all right? I'm going through Google here to see on a Google list to see if there's anything immediate that... Um, you're, I, not, you're not I, a huge fan of Saving Private Ryan. I'm right? not, no. I, I, it's a great movie, but I, I love the opening scene. The rest of the movie, I don't, I don't really care. I think they... I don't like what they did to World War II there, where the soldiers are basically complaining that they want to go home. Like, it's Vietnam, you know? Um, is Gladiator a war movie? Hell yeah, it is. Yes. All right. Yes. It might, then that might, that's probably my favorite war movie of all time then. Cause it's like in my all time top 10. I love the movie. So that, that belongs there. So, and I know there's going to be, you know, John Wayne, Audie Murphy, right. Um, Jimmy Stewart, Gary Cooper, that era that, you know, I know I'm missing that I'm going to get emails from, you know, the older generation rightfully cracking at me against. But for now, I think that's a pretty good start, don't you it's think? It's a very good start. Okay. Uh, breaking news uh, notification I just got from Facebook. Uh, content shared by Steve Day's show, oh, Steve Day's show has been rated false by an independent fact checker. Which content is that, by the way? CDC might stop calling COVID an epidemic because of a major drop in mortality rate. If it's below the epidemic threshold. That's, so this just goes back to what we were talking about like a half an hour ago. That's, that's their official policy. Yeah. Moving on. It's the official policy of the Center for Disease Control that you have to be at above 7.2% to be considered an epidemic. Everything, almost everything these days is the Jordan security guard. <laughs> Whatever. Gift. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Uh, moving on. Jeff Insights says, uh, does the church crave acceptance and or relevancy in our culture way too much? Yes, 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 yes. 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 It's one of the most. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the primary reasons. It, and it's like the sister question to the second question we had about our creature comforts. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Yep. 
Uh, moving on, Ian Blanchard says, As I was talking to my principal, I was telling him I was excited. Governor, Iowa Governor Reynolds, said masks weren't mandatory in my classroom. Uh, he, the principal, mentioned the administration is worried about potential lawsuits of that policy. How big of a factor will the threat or fear of lawsuits be in school decisions? Is this issue not getting enough attention? You're right on the money. In fact, I think that's what's driving mo- most of the mask. Well, outside of the media... Okay, and we told you on this show back in April and May that they would not walk away from the table with nothing on the other side. They they would have to justify the lockdown with something, right? Mm-hmm. And they and the and the and the lockdown trophy they want is you wear a mask. That's the trophy they're going to demand to show that 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 it was somewhat worth them wrecking your life for most of this year by by doing this when it when it wasn't. Okay, so there's 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 three things there's three fronts on the mask four there's what's legitimate data say and it's conflicting all over the place frankly okay two there is i the that politicians want to extract some concession from you to show that it was vital that they locked you down and you acknowledge that they helped that they were right to do so and that's the the mask is kind of your uh, your alm. You agree that they were right to do so, that it's worth you wearing a diaper on your face. That's the second front. Um, the third front is just media hysteria, virtue signaling. But there's a fourth front to this that has largely gone undiscussed. It's the liability side of it. It's why Costco nationwide, when states began to reopen, started making their customers wear a mask where the whole time the whole nation was locked down you didn't have to wear a mask in costco so why did i have to what do i have to wear a mask now that we're open because more people now that we're open more people are going to come and that is where actuaries and legal departments get involved you want to show that you did everything you possibly could uh, to avoid somebody from getting infected in your store on your premises in your school etc Okay, and they don't want to, and particularly with the schools, they don't want to seem heartless. I was talking to somebody at church yesterday, and their kids going to play f- football this fall, and the Iowa High School Athletic Association wants them to wear masks while they're outdoors practicing. And she was telling me about it, and see, they don't want the Iowa High School Athletic Association or any high school athletic association for that matter doesn't want to say, "Hey, we know that your kid's going to take this mask off ten times, sweating out here, and once he takes it off once, the whole efficacy of the mask is toast." We know this. But we we don't want to get sued. So your kid's going to wear a mask so that we can, our legal department told us we need to do that to cover our ass. They don't want to say that because it sounds heartless, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's what's driving most of it on that front. Yeah, is the liability. That That has gone largely unspoken because of all the focus about do they help or not and then the hysteria or not and then the politics of it or not. But that is another major, that's the fourth major front in the mask debate is the, is the legal liability. Yeah, you're right on. That's going to do it for today. Great job uh, with the parlor questions for the very first time. Appreciated those. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.